We'll just start it. Yeah. There you go. All right, we're rolling. All right, guys, welcome back to Dumb Sports Podcast, the podcast for dumb sports fans. This week, we'll be covering a wide variety of dumb sports topics. To get us started, we're going to be talking about something very near and dear to our boy Ernesto's heart, credit, and debit. We'll decide if people are a benefit or a problem for their teams in the long run. So, T, let's start off with Draymond Green, credit or debit? Um, I have a lot to say about Draymond Green. Um, I did watch a full basketball game for the first time in what felt like forever. Um, it was a game two of the finals. That was the last game, right? Uh, I was pretty, yep. I was pretty impressed with, uh, with Draymond Green. I think that, I mean, realistically, I truly hate that guy. Like I cannot stand Draymond Green. I think <laughs> he is legitimately like whatever level of annoying that people give him like credit for being like, Oh, like he's a, like, he's positively annoying. Like, you know, like wh- whoever he's guarding. I feel like he is like, like one strand away of like pantsing people on the court or like, like blowing <laughs> in people's ears, like, like making like, like bird noises when they're shooting free throws. Like that's what I think of Draymond Green. So, however, all that being said, I do think that he is a benefit to the team. I do think that they are completely different um, when he is on the floor. Uh, I just can't get on board with, I can't get on board with Draymond Green for many reasons, but I'm actually going to save those for further comments that I have in another segment that we're going to get into later in the show. So, but benefit most certainly. John Carson Wentz credit or debit. Ooh. Washington commies. Carson Wentz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad that that's their name too. Um, man. So I, I think he's a, short-term benefit like he's a, he's a short-term loan to where he's going to be a, a benefit to you but he has problems because I've, I've loved Carson Wentz for a very long time I've been very high on Carson Wentz but it is clear to me that there is something wrong in, in the locker room with that guy that, that he is disconnected from his teammates that you know because guys have choked in season finales before I mean hey I'm a Cowboys fan so Tony Rome was my boy and you've had quarterbacks who have underperformed in situations where you needed in the rise of the occasion. I have seen that happen with teams before, but you know what? Your team and your coaches will rally around that individual. For whatever reason, Carson Wentz, that, that same sentiment doesn't seem to happen with him, whether it's the Philadelphia Eagles or, you know, last year with the Colts. So the thing that he gives you is, is, you know, there's 32 teams in the NFL. He's probably a top 32 quarterback. So you're not going to find someone on someone's bench. Usually that's going to be able to, outperform what he can do because he really is I mean again and we all fall in love because it just happened not too long ago he was an MVP caliber type he was going to be the MVP had he not got hurt like he has been spectacular in his career so we fall in love with the fact that he's still relatively young and that we know what his ceiling is that's the thing with him is, is there's no mystery to what his ceiling is we know how great he could possibly be but there's something wrong with the locker room dynamic with him and his leadership I know he rubbed people the wrong way when he showed up with a yellow jersey to the press conference or yellow blazer. So he looked like he was, you know, like a Hall of Fame jacket. Uh, And he's been shipped out of two teams and, you know, unceremoniously out of Indianapolis his first season. 
So I think the way I would put it is, is his first year, I think he's a benefit because he's an immediate upgrade from who you have. What sucks is the guy that he's replacing in uh, Taylor Heinecke, that dude's a baller. That guy's a gamer. He's the type of person that your teammates rally behind because he's gritty. Carson Wentz is better than him. So in the interim, yes, he is absolutely your best option. And that's a, if he can somehow, just like the Colts believed he could have, get close to that ceiling, he is a benefit to you. But in the long term, if you start losing and he's underperforming and he's costing you turnovers, he's going to be a detriment to your team. All right. Matt, Sergey Bobrovsky. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> Matt, if you don't know, those at home has been muted for demanding that we cover hockey right away. So, sorry, Matt. Next time we'll see if uh, see if you get a chance to say something. Uh, we'll... All right, Charlie, let me hit you with uh, your creditor, Debit. Let, let's talk uh, Bryce Harper. Mm. Or Debit, what do you think? Uh, so, I'm going to have to go with credit just because I do think he's a positive, but I do feel like virtually every time in baseball, when you pay somebody a big contract, even if they deliver, it seems to just crush your team. So baseball is weird that way because you don't really have a salary cap, but you have so many pieces that have to work simultaneously for your team to really take off. If I were running a baseball team, I don't know that I would pay very much for offense though, because it's just not reliable. I'd be chasing down a few That's pitchers. the Anaheim Angels. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, yeah, be a possibly top five scoring team or, you know, as we record this, are on a 12-game. Let me check today. Let's see if they ended it finally. Uh, They're Madden, currently on a 12-game losing streak. Madden got fired today. So he did. And, you know, that sucks because yeah, I don't think he was always the issue. But so they're on a current 12 game losing streak as we're recording this. And as of right now, hey, they're up five to four, top of the six. So that's right when they blow games. <laughs> so that's going to be their 13th consecutive loss. Can we get a bed down? You know, Who are they playing right now? Red Sox. All right. Give me the Red Sox. That plus money down by one. Are they Angels are having a on the road? Or? Dude, they after starting twenty, I mean, they were they were actually twelve games above five hundred. But you know, when their losing streak started, they were twenty seven and seventeen. They're now, I think, twenty seven and twenty nine. And yeah, they they went from being you know in contention of the AL West to praying to God that they don't finish five hundred again. Like it's mm. unbelievable, and it's both. It's it's so that's to Charles's point. You know, this is not their first year that they've been in the top five in run scored, but they can't stop anyone. And this last, in these past 12 games, they're averaging a six, five ERA. They're giving up 6.5 runs per freaking game. They have blown. I think I, I sent it out to our group text five games to where they've had the lead going into the later stages of the game, sixth and seventh inning. And just yesterday they blew a game where they had a six, two lead going into the eighth inning and they ended up losing an extra. So, you know, you want pitching. Think about the Royals team that won the World Series. They had that crazy stat where after the sixth inning, they did not lose. They were like 75-0 and 0 when they had the lead going into the sixth inning. So, mm-hmm. and again, you, anyone that's listening, Google that. Google the Royals team that won the World Series and then Google their bullpen, whatever year that was. They had an outstanding streak and they had a crazy overall record. I think they ended up being like going into the seventh. I think they were something crazy like 112 and like six. Like they were out of control good in, in, in that stretch of the game. And obviously they carried that over 
into a World Series championship and sweeping the Angels, mind you, that same playoff. But yeah, if I'm with, with Charles, if I'm running a team, I don't know if I'm play, paying a premium for offense, but I'm looking to get some arms uh, for sure. Yeah, you just never know when people are going to have a good year. I mean, there's there's people that you can kind of count on year over year, but I always feel like it costs so much more for the the small margin. Whereas mm-hmm. with, with pitching, you you can find a lot of value guys that could do a lot of good things if they didn't have to pitch as much. Take a starter and move them to a middle reliever, and all of a sudden they start lighting people up. So, yeah, I think uh, I think I I'll give him a credit. But I think overall that strategy of paying an offensive player $300 million for 11 years or whatever is ultimately – no, 13 years, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is ultimately a, a losing strategy. So he's the credit, but the team's strategy is a debit. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to our next segment for today. Uh, the other day I was at the grocery store, and as I'm walking along – I see bananas and next to the bananas for uh, I think like a slight amount more. I see seedless bananas, which I find completely pointless. And I decided, man, what other completely pointless stuff is there? Because whoever has had a banana and said, wow, these seeds are annoying. I need to get the seedless version of this. So let's go ahead and... (laughs) Talk about what we we want to be gone from sports. So I'll start. The number one thing I want to get rid of, and if you've talked to me in the last month and a half about basketball, you know this. I want to get rid of charging fouls and blocking fouls. I hate it. It takes way too long. It's always a guess whether it's a charge or a block. It's always a bang-bang play. Nobody ever knows. The fans of whichever team didn't get the call always argue and post videos on YouTube like, see, it was a block. (laughs) <laughs> and the fans of the other team are like, see, it was a charge. And if nobody can tell, then it's a dumb rule. So get rid of charges and blocks. Make, if you're a defensive player and you get run over, I mean, that's just on you. Make it a travel if the guy carrying the ball can't keep his dribble. Make it a trip if he, you know, kicks his legs out and trips the guy with the ball or something. But get rid of charge, charges and blocks. Get rid of people running underneath a dude who's jumping from the free throw line for a dunk. And for some reason, that guy who did nothing except stand there is the guy who gets, you know, the victory in the play rather than the dude who tomahawked it from 20 feet away. Like, it's one of the most asinine things in all of sports that we're like, nope, nope, take that away from the dude who just jumped from the free throw line. Give it to the little guy who stood there and protected his nuts. Like, it's so dumb. Anyway, that's for me. Seedless banana. I want to, I think I agree with you. Like, overall however i just have like this like i I gotta stick up for the little guy for this one just because i mean we grew up in this weird time where we had basketball coaches from like the 80s uh coach julian is who i'm gonna refer to but he was kind of like the john gruden like on monday night football like when he would talk about like that guy like now here's a kid who takes a charge like he he's just all and it's he he loved those kind of guys and like those were the the kid I think of uh there's a dude that played on the varsity team that was a little bit older than us but yeah he would have been a nobody I mean the guy whose name I can't even remember he would have been a nobody 
if he didn't get credit for all those charges <laughs> that he took. So, yeah. Ricardo Saucio. Yes, yes, that's the guy. That's exactly who I was thinking of. Yes. Now, here's a guy who takes a charge in the third quarter, and he is just relentless. Like, just like guys like that, nobody remembers if, if charges and whatnot go, whatever. And who's going to get the charge socks? Good point. From Coach Wilder. Shout out to Brandon Kais. All right. Uh, what other uh, what other pointless things are there in sports that we just do not need? Uh, I could do without managers and umpires telling me about the unwritten rules and that a guy was being disrespectful. If you tee off on a ball in the seventh inning, okay, now like Jose Bautista is a perfect example of this because there was one time where he got thrown at and the very next like pitch he launched. Actually, I take it back. He got beamed and it was against the Orioles. A couple innings later, he freaking wrecked one of the upper deck and he flipped his bat and was talking to the, to the pitcher and he was the bad guy in the situation. I got zero problem with it. It's competitive. Joe Kelly, the freaking pitcher of the, the Dodgers and now the White Sox, talking trash to batters. I'm cool with that because it's, you know, these guys are competitive. I know you want to see things a certain way. I get that. But ultimately, these guys care. That's why they're doing what they're Now, yes, you don't want your six-year-old playing t-ball, freaking throwing backflips backwards and, you know, knocking out kids in the on-deck circle. That's not what you want. But these dudes are millionaires that are playing a kid's game, and they have, I believe, earned the right to do whatever they freaking please, right? I mean, you're making millions of dollars doing something that none of us can do at a 30% clip, no less. So if it's hard enough to get bat on ball contact and put it in play, you know, if, if I'm a 300 batter, I'm basically going to the Hall of Fame. And now you wreck one out of the park and you want to celebrate, especially if it's a walk-off or especially if it's a big moment. Like when, when Jose Bautista, again, got criticized for his ALCS, I think it was, or maybe it was the ALDS. He wrecked a home run in the playoffs. Crowd went nuts. He stood there, watched it. And then through his back, uh, you know, hey, I'm cool with it. And on the flip side, I'm cool if it doesn't go the right way. Yafiel Puig, he hits the ball, thinks it's a home run, flips his bat. Oh, shoot, I got to hurry up and get a single out of this because it drops. Like, that's funny, too. So I'm cool with both of those things, you know, just going away. If an umpire tells me, oh, it's disrespectful to the game, shut your freaking mouth. Because, you again, you use saber metrics, you use all these other things, you do defensive shifts, things that aren't, you know, whatever to try and give you a competitive advantage. So this guy juices the ball out and his dugout teammates love that he's bringing that energy. He's coming back to the dugout. You've got all these crazy Ernie Reyes Jr. handshakes when you're going back. I like that. It builds camaraderie. You know, look at softball with, you know, you got people wearing goggles and they've got rally caps and even the fun of little league, right? You're celebrating in the dugout with your buddies and making noise and being and having fun. Part of that is still just having fun and making baseball fun. And Hey, you know what, if a dude wants to smash a home run and, throw his bat 25 feet in the air, whatever, dude. Just don't have some old guy telling me that, oh, it's against the rules and the unwritten and this is – shut up. <laughs> no one cares. Oh. And, and clearly no one cares because it's one of the least watched sports in the world, and I love baseball, but to the oh. viewing populace at large – We all know the, the unwritten rule of baseball is really just that pitchers are cowards because <laughs> they get to throw and hit a, a batter – with a 90 mm-hmm. or 100 mile an hour ball if he showboats them. Yep. But if they start, you know, blowing smoke off their fingers or whatever at the mound after they get somebody swinging, there's nothing that batter can do to them. They're never going to get a chance to throw a bat at the pitcher or anything like that. Like that pitcher out there on a mound on an island, can't, you know, untouchable. Yep. So that to me is yep. the whole thing. 
the unwritten rule of baseball is really just the pitchers are cowards. Yep. Well, and I agree with that, right? So at me, pitchers. Think about that. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That yeah, a pitcher, you know, if, if something happens, this guy taunted, whatever, so you want to throw at him. I get like the whole Chase Utley thing. Once upon a time, you know, dude ended the guy's season, and then it really, really affected his career. And they went to throw at him, and they missed. And you know, then he went to do it again, and that was an issue. And I get throwing at Chase Utley in that situation because he literally broke a guy's leg. But again, the whole showboating and then throwing at the guy, yeah, you know what? If Joe Kelly strikes you out and then blows on his fingers or you know throws his middle finger up. If I happen to get up to the plate next and I hit a home run, I will stand at home plate, wait till he looks at me, and then I'll drop my bat and walk to first. Because, hey, you know what? But, and, that's, and that's garbage. Because, you know, if I did that, if I hit a home run, wait for him to look at me, you know, not look down at the ground and kick the mound, you know, because he's trying to wait for me to try to run the base. Now he looks at me. We make eye contact. Then I start. Everyone knows what's coming in the fifth inning. I'm getting a ball at me. And you're absolutely right. Yeah, pitchers are, are cowards. I want, you know what? Hey, give me the Robin Ventura, Ryan, Nolan Ryan bullcrap. You know what? If, let, let's throw down. You know, and even I'll give you back to Bryce Harper when he went and, you know, he like wildly misses his helmet when he threw at the pitcher. I was okay with that. You know, almost like hockey fights. I'm okay with guys in that situation settling it with, hey, we're freaking throwing down. Because there is that option too. If you throw a ball at me at 90 miles an hour and I don't like it and take exception to it, yeah, I won't throw a bat at you, but a fist might be coming your way and take your, you know, if you're somebody like Bryce Harper, put the three game suspension to you, right? Yeah. I mean, outside of missing a series for your team, yeah, throw up my head again. So I agree T, with you. It's kind of to protect pitchers. T, you got anything? Um, I think the one thing that I would get, well, that I was really passionate about that I think we could have done without was pitchers hitting in the MLB I think that the universal DH I was kind of questioning in the beginning but I've absolutely fallen in love with it I think that it's incredible I think that the Cardinals have been phenomenal um, with how they have been utilizing that position I think that it's given Albert Pujols uh, some more time in the league I really want to see him hit 700 home runs but it makes me wish that it would have happened a lot sooner for dudes like uh, like a Prince Fielder who couldn't do a whole bunch of things. Like after he got injured, like we might have seen, got to see a little bit more of him. Um, but I mean, with that change, I've been pretty happy. So I'm just going to go out on a limb and say the WNBA. I do think that is the uh, seedless banana to the NBA. I think that can go away tomorrow and nobody cares. So. Yep. Oh, and, and etiquette at golf too certain situations but if i'm bombing tee shots i want a bat slip like Ryder cup style like how rowdy the rowdy the like the Ryder cup mm -hmm. is watch Ryder cup highlights and that's if like i want golf like that because that would make me freaking pumped right like you hit a really good shot in the crowd you know cheering and going nuts i don't want none of this <laughs> no man i want woo! when a guy smokes like when bryson dechambeau go watch the Ryder cup bryson dechambeau teeing off on one against sergio garcia the dude hits a ball, he, he greens the par four, hits it on the green, on the fly, not on the bounce. He freaking sailed it over 300 yards, stuck it, and then putted for eagle and walked past the dude. Like, he looked straight, had his putter in the air because he knew he was on, walked right past Sergio Garcia, and the crowd's going bananas. I want that more in golf. I get certain situations, right? Clutch situation. But if I'm like, again, like if you ever watch like the waste management, Guys are on the green, and, you know, I apologize right now for our podcast subscribers that are going to hear me say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. So Ricky Fowler is getting ready to putt. 
and the crowd is chanting, big dick, Rick, big dick, Rick. And, you know, the officials are telling him to calm down, gesturing down with their hands. And Ricky Fowler looks at the crowd, and he pumps his hands up. He wants more <laughs> of it. And the crowd, yeah, goes nuts. He thinks the, the crowd goes absolutely bananas. Like, a little bit of showmanship in golf, I'm cool with that, too. I, I, I would like to see some etiquette eased a little bit in golf. All right, my last thing that I want to get rid of are fake fights in all sports. I would absolutely love it if, <laughs> if you leave a bench in baseball or basketball or football or any sport, like if you just go out to act tough or whatever or to run out there because you have to, you automatically are signed up for a cage fight against somebody on the other team, just like a random person. You have to do it. If you don't do it, you don't get your paycheck. Who's the dude from Miami that was an actual cage fighter? What was his name? Something Johnson. I think he actually, and again, Google it if you want to. There was a dude that played for the Miami Heat not too long ago that, like, it was a legitimate black belt and like, I can't remember what martial art it was. But, uh, yeah, could you imagine you fake tough guy someone and all of a sudden you got to get in a fight with Udonis Haslam and his brother, right? Like yeah. this freaking black yeah. belt dude that's getting ready to wreck you. Well, didn't that happen to a couple of Oklahoma football players last summer? I think they went into a bathroom and they were, like, picking on some little white guy. And he was like, nah, it's okay, guys. And they're like, what, what, what? You don't want to fight or whatever? And they followed him into the bathroom. And then he just, like, wrecked everybody. It was, like, three on one. Oh, yeah. He just beat him up. Anywho. Well, yeah, James Johnson. That's your dude from Miami Heat. 7-0 MMA record and a second-degree black belt. I uh, don't go. know in what particular martial art. But, yeah, the guy's 7-0. And he was an old Miami Heat guy. So don't mess with James Johnson. That'll do it. All right. Uh, moving on, we're going to be talking about generic versus brand name athletes. So we'll give a couple athletes. You have to determine who's the brand name, who's the generic version. Start let me just off. start. Let me, I get, we're, we're just going to cut right back to the comment, the, the bookmark I put in this. Let's talk Draymond Green and Dennis Rodman. Okay. People give Draymond Green all of this credit. Like he is just just being full like he is just doing it all like he is like that is he is equate version dennis rodman like he might do some (laughs) things but i'm not no i'm not gonna listen to this like he is like the knockoff like he is not craft macaroni and cheese like he is definitely like the knockoff version he's kroger brand right is that what you're saying he's kroger brand exactly yeah Yeah, and, take and I will Rodman. say this, in, in, in Draymond Green's defense, so the guy did in that game seven where they blew that 3-1 lead, he was like the only dude that produced. He had nine assists, 15 rebounds, and 32 points. He was the game's highest scorer, and he went six of eight from three. Those are things that Dennis Rodman doesn't do in his wildest coked-out dreams, right? And he did it in game seven. So he legitimately was on the, you know, Charles Barkley made fun of him, you know, why don't you shoot? Well, he dropped 32 points in game seven as at the time, the third option on that team, maybe even fourth option behind Harrison Barnes. But mm-hmm. I digress. I still like it because, hey, you know, Kroger brand can knock it out the park every now and again. I'll take some, you know, yeah. I don't need Arrowhead water. I can take Kroger brand water. I'm good with it. I like it. All right. Next up, Jerome Bettis, Derrick Henry. Who's the name brand? Who's the generic brand? Who's that for? Because that's scary. I don't know. Whoever wants to take it. 
That's rough, man. I don't know. Like, I think, uh, I don't know. I mean, name brand? I mean, it's all, where, where's Derrick Henry? Okay, that's my question. Where's Derrick Henry sitting at? I mean, if we're going to talk totals, he, I don't know. Like, I, I got to go with Jerome Bettis on this one. Like, I think that, uh, I mean, he's the bus, man. Like, I mean, he is, like, he's that dude, 10,000 yard rusher, right? Like, I mean, he was like the real all, like, all pro. Like, I mean, uh, I, I got to go with the bus on that one if I have to choose, but I don't know. Derrick Henry is that's, yeah, that's rough. That's, that, that's, that one's rough. Yeah. See, I'll politic myself into this one because whoever I pick is the generic brand, I'll say it's like Shasta or RC Cola. Like a generic brand you actually like, and that's got some longevity. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that, that's, that's who my generic brand is going to be. And then the other guy is going to be like a Pepsi or a Coke. Right. So, Oh gosh. Like we, we're held slaves to the moment. So obviously Derek Henry can do things and has done things that Jerome Bettis cannot do. However, Jerome Bettis is a known commodity that he is a hall of famer. He is a super bowl champion. He is beloved in Pittsburgh and he is the bus. Those are all guarantees, right? Those are all things we know. Derrick Henry, his career is still being played out, but we also know that this dude, you know, 2,000 yards, an absolute freak, an animal. All these other, you know, the stiff arm on Josh Norman. Uh, the guy's got highlights for days. He's got a 99-yard touchdown. Um, he's the reason. Even when he – think about this. He was leading the league in rushing after he had missed like six games. Right, like yeah. the dude almost missed half the season, and he still was leading the NFL in rushing. He was out of control last year, but we'll see what happens now that he's got some wear and tear. That he's getting older. That those accumulation of attempts are going to catch up to him. I mean, out of those two, and that's why I had to put the Shasta RC Cola because those are long-lasting generic brands. Right, those are those are brands that have some weight to them like a shasta cola or a or an rc cola or whatever gosh dang it it's what i want to say what i want to say but i don't know how if i could back it up is that jerome bettis would almost be your generic brand only because he doesn't have the flash pizzazz coca-cola pepsi factor that derrick henry has shown to have in his repertoire right like in his career mm-hmm. already derrick henry has had seasons that Make some Coca-Cola. Yeah. And I don't think Jerome Bettis ever did. But I, it's hard to do that because Jerome Bettis is a Hall of Famer. He is a Super Bowl champion. Like, it's, it's hard to do that to a guy like that. So, if again, if, if I had no emotional connection, I guess I lean that way. But, like and, – and It's hard, too, I, because, I like, if you have, think of that era, like, like okay, like, coolest running back you know what I mean like who's first running back you think of like from like back in our you like that era that he played in like probably not Jerome Bettis right like he's probably not your no, first it's, pick it's, you know yeah you're Barry Sanders or Emmett Smith usually is what you're thinking you know, yeah in that era <sighs> so, yeah, I mean, just, but, I'll just put he, it this way Derrick Henry has three years as a starter and has three years where he averaged more than 100 yards a game rushing Jerome Bettis had 10 years as a starter and he had one year where he averaged at least a hundred yards rushing. Yep. Well, I mean, and playing for the Pittsburgh fan base helps him out because he was beloved as the bus, right? Like he has 
you know, guys that play for Pittsburgh and you have longevity in Pittsburgh and you see yourself out either gracefully or, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Ben Roethlisberger will forever be loved in Pittsburgh. Jerome Bettis, forever loved in Pittsburgh. Heinz Ward is forever loved in Pittsburgh. Jack Lambert, you know, all, all those guys who have the Pittsburgh lore behind them, their beloved people. You know, Green Bay has a similar effect. So I think he benefits greatly from that, even though he didn't always play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's where he is most known. You know, he is the bus, right? Um, you know, and it, it's just, it's hard to say that because of, dude's a Hall of Famer. But yeah, Derrick Henry, that, that's why I lean towards, he's like the Pepsi and Coke and then Jerome Bettis. While you love it and you know it, like everybody knows what Shasta is, you can go to any grocery store, you know, any superstore in America, and Shasta will be there because it's just that's one of those in- things. Inaccurate. It shows you're sheltered. <laughs> With Shasta? No Shasta out here. Man, that sucks. They had them out in California, so I was. I think it's a Western United places. States thing. I think after you cross the Mississippi, is water also a Western United States thing? Sorry. I don't know what just happened, but he started freezing. <laughs> <laughs> Say that again, T. Hashtag Michigan. <laughs> I cannot understand a word he's saying. <laughs> I say is water also a Western United States thing? I think we all know <laughs> that. Oh, we're gonna fix this. <laughs> I think we all know that water is not a Western United States thing. That's why there's wildfires every year. Yeah, so so maybe more apropos, like he's a Sam's Club, what's a Sam's Club members mark or a freaking which mm-hmm. really shows you that I'm a that I'm a value brand shopper. <laughs> but, you know, the Malto Malto meal cereals, right? Like you can go find Malto meal cereals anywhere, you know, and frosted mini spooners, frosted mini wheats type deal. So that's that's more apropos for the Jerome Bettis and uh Derrick Henry comparison. Yeah, I, I'll be honest, I think Jerome Bettis had a cool nickname. I don't think he was the greatest. So I, I don't think well, this is even a hard one for me. I think Derrick Henry is a name brand. He may be a newer name brand. Doesn't hasn't been around as long. But it's like if uh, some cool new competitor came out that was supposed to be like the new Coca-Cola. And it was just awesome. Kind of like when Surge came out when I was a kid. Disappeared after a few right, years because... Like- it was Less too intense. Yeah. yeah, it was found to be illegal <laughs> to give that to children. <laughs> so I think. Oh man! Well, so you've got like Mountain Lightning in Jerome <laughs> yeah, Bettis, and then you've got Surge and Derrick Henry. So. All of us just exposing our freaking value brand shopping. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, Doctor Thunder. <laughs> All right, uh, next oh, generic versus brand name. Uh, so next we go to baseball. And we're going to go with Felix Hernandez and Madison Bumgarner. Name brand, generic. I already know. I shouldn't say I already know. In my head, Felix Hernandez has had a better career in the regular season than Madison Bumgarner. 
Madison Bumgarner was absolutely unhittable in the World Series against the Royals. Basically, if you go from the Royals World Series and backwards in his career, when that dude was pitching in the postseason, I mean, the only pitcher off the top of my head, I think, uh, oh, definitely um, Mariano Rivera was out of his mind in the postseason because I think he only had one blown save. So his type of pitching in the postseason was, was out of control. And the only other one I could think of is probably Jack Morris um, that, that had the similar type of, like, postseason just dominance. So, and Felix Hernandez, to his credit, he never – I don't even know if he ever got a chance to perform in the postseason, really. And if he ever did, it was long past his prime. Um, so he never really got to show what he was about when he was King Felix, right? When he was King Felix, I mean, you know, shoot, that guy might have a 20-win season. And he accounted for almost half of the Seattle Mariner win because the Mariners were a pretty atrocious team in the, in the mid 2010s and, and going into the 2020s. But gosh, dang it. Cause I love Bumgarner. I mean, you guys all know my feelings towards Madison Bumgarner. Cause I, I love what Bruce Bochy did when it was game seven, they rode that guy. Didn't matter. No one was warming up at the bullpens. We will win or lose with this guy. And I love that mentality from a, from a manager to their players. So for me, for me, Madison Bumgarner is my name brand because of that. And my generic is going to be Felix Hernandez, even though it's probably, if you were to Google their stats, the exact opposite. But because when the chips were on the table and it was postseason playoff, even year winning time for the Giants, it was Madison Bumgarner, not Tim Lincecum. Not the other dude that was uh, Matt Kane, that was another Cy Young Award winner yeah. on that whole roster. It was him. They rode Bumgarner, you know. I mean, the guy no-sold a freaking MVP. He sat up there with a freaking straight face when he was awarded the World Series MVP. So, like, that's my name brand is, is Bumgarner. Even though I know it's probably statistically not the way that it is, just for me and just competition when it matters most. That's my name, Brandon. Bumgarner. Knockoff is going to be Felix Hernandez. I'd be interested to see, too, because, I mean, I don't think there's – I mean, statistically, there's probably not that big of a difference. I think half of them in person, like just from each in person, I mean, I think that Mad Bum has to be the name brand for sure. I mean, especially – like you consider post uh, postseason performance, but also like, I mean, I just think he's been the real deal. Like if there's, if you have your choice out of the two, like for your team, even like your own personal favorite team, I- I'm taking mad bum all day. I think that dude, I mean, he, he's just something that I can't even describe. It. I mean, from what I've seen um, of him in person, I mean, he took a perfect game into the ninth live, like with an out and, I truly blame the person who was sitting behind me because he was staring at the scoreboard and says, Hey, wait, doesn't he have a perfect game going? And the next pitch single to center field. It was that guy who ruined it. But I mean, I just think like he was like, I was shocked the entire time I watched Madison Bumgarner King Felix. It was dope. It's a great story, but I mean, Madison Bumgarner, definitely the choice for me name brand. So here's the stats. We've got Bumgarner with a 3.32 ERA, Felix Hernandez 3.42. Bumgarner's pitched 336 games. Felix Hernandez pitched 
419. So he pitched significantly more. Uh, he only played one more season, though. So, man, almost 100 more games hmm. over the career. Uh, yeah, 700 inning, more innings pitched. Let's see. Yeah, strikeouts per nine innings, 8.6 for Bumgarner, 8.3 for Hernandez. Uh, home runs per nine innings, one for Bumgarner, 0.9 for Hernandez. Whip, 1.1 for Bumgarner, 1.2 for Hernandez. Pretty much identical all across the board for their stats. Hmm. Uh, Bumgarner's got 129 wins, and Felix Hernandez had 169. That actually surprises me. That they they have that close of identical stats in the regular season, that completes it then. Now I'm not even worried about it. It's Madison Bumgarner is my my name brand. Because, again, he's done something that it's it's hard. Because that dude, you know, five near-perfect innings as a reliever after, what, two days of rest in the World Series to close out the Kansas City Royals. Like the guy was, was out of this world. Like what year was that? It had been an even year. So it's 2010, 12 or 14, whatever year that they beat the Royals. It's one of those three years, but yeah, he, he just, once he came into the game, it was over. And when he was pitching, it was over. And then, you know what, a couple of years later, him and Noah Syndergaard got into a playoff game, which, you know, it's the wild card game. So it's basically one game, 163. And I've never seen a more compelling, like, Six innings. There were Noah Syndergaard and that dude combined for, I think it was a no hitter through six and like perfect through. I think it was a no hitter through seven, perfect through six. Both dudes were just untouchable. And watching Madison Bumgarner again just be that guy when it matters most, when the chips are on the table, when you need this game. Not the 162 marathon. Now it's the sprint to the finish line, and you could depend on him to get it done. I have to go with Madison Bumgarner. Yeah, Bumgarner's eight and three in the playoffs. Two point one ERA. Stats are pretty much identical to the rest of his career, except yeah. for gives up less than one home run per nine innings. How about this? How about a point two five ERA in the World Series? Like that is unfreaking real. And pitching three times in that World Series, if I'm not mistaken, and still yeah. keeping that that low of an ERA. It's one thing if you're in a if you're a closer and you pitch, you know, seven innings. But I think he started twice and then closed game seven, right? Yep. So he went four and one in the World Series. So he pitched five games, mm. six games. Yeah, he went. Yeah, let's see. Let, let me make sure I'm reading this right. This is I'm looking at this like, let's see. No matter situation, game. But I'm going to always put up zeros. During the 2014 playoffs, helping the team win the World Series over the Kansas City Royals by posting. So this is probably overall in the playoffs. A 4-1 record with a 103 ERA. So that's the third lowest ever in a single postseason is 103 throughout the entire postseason. 45 strikeouts over 52 innings. And then in his World Series career, over five games, he has a .25 ERA. He gets it. He is the name-branded name-brand name when it comes between him and Felix Hernandez. Like, he is, you know... Pick the name brand you can find and then find the cheapest knockoff you can find, and that's the distance between those two. Now knowing that the regular seasons are so close and Bumgarner is one of the most dominant postseason starters of all time, that's, that's tough. That's, it, I shouldn't say it's tough. That's, that's easy. 
All right. Next up, Ray Allen, Clay Thompson. Who's name brand? Who's generic? I don't know. I think just even after watching that game, would he go four for 19? Like a smooth four for 19? But that's <laughs> off just one game. I mean, I mean, I also just posted a pretty dope Instagram video where I recreated that Ray Allen clutch three in my driveway. <laughs> Got a few hits, circling the web. Uh, Ray Allen was dope. Uh, he could also dunk. Can Clay Thompson dunk? I don't think I've seen him do anything Ish. for like two years. So it's that's accurate. He has not done anything for a few years. Also true of Ray Allen. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think what what has to be taken into consideration because we sometimes forget in just the constancy of the moment is Ray Allen was a stud. Like beyond just him being a crazy three point shooter. Ray Allen was a really, really good basketball player between the numbers when he was at the Bucks and when he was at the Sonics. So long before he was relegated to just a corner three-point shooter and your spot-up guy, he was a menace on, on the court. Uh, you know, he's a part of that famed 96 draft and, you know, all that stuff. Make sure I said 96 draft, right? Got to make sure that's the one. Yep. Yeah, 96 draft. Like, the, the guy was a multiple-time all-star, multiple-time – I think multiple time all NBA player, maybe not first team, but he was, I would, I would assume at least the first second or a second or third team quite a bit in his career because the shooting guards that he would have had to outpace would have been Allen Iverson and Kobe Bryant. And then maybe Steve Francis every now and maybe Tracy McGrady every now and again. And then, you know, Ray Allen probably was your second and third team guy on most, most years uh, for the all NBA team, you know, and then of course he's got, he was up until recently, the, you know, number one spot holding three point shooter in the history of the NBA. So on top of how good he was, you know, in mid range and everything else underrated defensively because he was so good offensively. Um, and plus, you know, at this point, you know, we'll see what Clay Thompson could become. This is only his, this is his first year post his two, you know, Charles made the joke of him being an actor for two years uh, because of the torn Achilles and ACL. And he's struggling a little bit, you know, how quickly we forget game six clay, right. Or close out clay where he went nuclear against, you know, Memphis and closed them out on the road. And then same deal with Dallas Mavericks where he closed them out. Um, you know, now we're two games into the Boston series and, you know, yeah, four of 19, that's, that's not good. I mean, he can't play that way for them to win. But yeah, as far as it sits right now, this very second, your name brand's got to be Ray Allen and your generic brand's got to be clay Thompson. I guess I can deal with that. Uh, Clay Thompson's never been all NBA. Ray Allen wound up getting two in his career. Ray Allen also is kind of the pioneer of the quick release three. I think he actually is more comparable to Clay than uh, than Steph is. I think everybody compares Steph to Ray Allen because uh, Steph of the numbers. Yeah, because because yeah. Ray Allen was the all time three point leader and and all that. But I actually think Clay is much more similar to. Uh, to Ray Allen, just the way he, the way he shoots, when he shoots, and how he moves, I think his offensive game actually looks a lot like what what Ray did. I think Clay yeah. uh, Clay can get hotter than Ray could though, which is hard to Clay do. Clay can get hotter than just about anyone. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think anybody in NBA history has had the streak shooting of Clay Thompson, where when he gets hot, he can just burn burn through people so fast. 
and also be just ice cold for weeks at a time where he gets in a funk and just doesn't make anything for a long period of time. Yep. So. And I mean, and that's, that's the, the hard thing with, with that is because I, I love Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson, especially for a shooting guard, I think he is a really, really good example of, of what a shooting guard can become at any level. He plays good defense. He's great off the ball. He's good. Like, he doesn't do too much, right? Like you're not going to see any social media video where he's going to be dazzling you and breaking people down and breaking ankles with the dribble. He doesn't do that. He's catch and shoot. He's one or two moves. He's to the cup. He's backdoor cuts. He's layups. He's, you know, a quick, as soon as your defender turns the shoulder, raise up mid ranger. And then obviously his catch and shoot is out of control. Like Clay Thompson is a really good example of what a shooting guard looks like. Um, on top of everything else, like, you know, and again, he, he's not quite back to his – how prolific of a defender he was, but that's another key component to him was he was, he was a, an, an elite two-way player on top of the fact that he can get out of control when he gets going. But, yeah, as, as, it, as it stands, you know, again, we'll see. Because Clay Thompson, I mean, he, he, this could very well change in the next five years or so as Clay Thompson keeps playing. But right now on this date, June 7th, 2022 – Looking at career totals and where they're at, I think right now still, uh, Ray Allen's probably still the name brand, and Clay Thompson, very, very close, coming up. Yeah, I could see it as a Pepsi Coke kind of thing, honestly. I think, there you go. I think Ray Allen's definitely the Coca-Cola because he's the, the one that everybody would go to and say, oh, it's obviously him. But I think there's some people out there who just kind of prefer whatever randomness Clay is. I think Clay's probably better on defense. He definitely uh, has always been a number two, which Ray Allen never had to deal with. He was always, well, he was number one, and then later in his career just kind of became the three-point specialist when he was with the Celtics. But, yeah, I don't know. I I, I think I, I agree. T, where are you at? I don't know, man. I'm just mad at him that he went – Four for 19 the other night when I had is over, but that's nobody's business, I guess. <laughs> I hear you. All right. Well, that's all for our show tonight. We'll go ahead and wrap this thing up. I'd like to thank everybody for joining us. Uh, for those live in the studio, you can see T about getting your parking um, taken care of. Matt, yeah. hey Matt, will you go help those guys out? Since we wouldn't let you talk, you can at least help those people out. Yeah, Matt, do better next time. Uh, quit trying to get us to talk about <laughs> hockey every two seconds. And yeah, see you next week. <laughs>